0: back. We'll be right back. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. We are glad that you could join us today. And today we are going to be exploring, discussing, sharing a topic which really is without words. And some of you who may have direct experience of emptiness, nothingness, the void, many different experiences of this phenomenon, you know that it's largely beyond words. Before we jump in, two things. First of all... The link to participate is in the chat, and there it is on screen. If you have an experience that you believe to be the timeless and eternal and universal void, the emptiness, by all means, come on and share it. Because, again, this is a topic that can be talked around <laughs> but uh, for those of us who have not experienced it directly it may be difficult to to. it's impossible to understand let's put it that way and for those who have not experienced it it's difficult to grasp or imagine but to hear someone who has had the experience of it in one form or another uh, that may that may be useful beneficial or certainly to one degree or another enlightening and we start off today by some comments that were left for us uh, by Lux looks custos or luke we don't really we can't remember how to pronounce that name um and they say hello atlas we look forward to listening to your lecture today it is our favorite topic since having directly experienced the emptiness of the illuminating void before finding Gnosis some years ago. And uh, follows up, is it is a very profound, life-changing, and conscious shocking experience to have indeed. And uh, Benjamin says, Hi Atlas, hello Benjamin. It's uh, nice to have you here as always. As Azil says, it sounds like you're speaking in a tin can. Oh, we knew something was wrong. (laughs) Is that better? Is that better? Uh, Yes, we were speaking from the illuminating void. (laughs) It's very echoey there. Uh, Hopefully, this is better. Uh, you'll, well, let's just, uh, just double check here our, uh, audio levels. Okay. So we're on the correct microphone. Okay. So you guys will have to tell me if that's better or not. We for, we forgot to put the microphone in its correct position. Um, all right then. So there are many different experiences of, this phenomenon called emptiness. And as Azil says, much better. Okay, all right. <laughs> we're, we're off to the good side. We've returned from the illuminating void. Or rather, we've returned re- we've returned from the echoing void. Hopefully now we can uh, emerge as the illuminating void uh, and shed some light on this topic today in such a way that we, it doesn't sound like we're uh, speaking inside of an aluminum can. The void, the emptiness, the nothingness. We can begin by asking ourselves, what is it? What, what is it? What are we experiencing when we experience nothing? Emptiness, the void. It's a, it's a fair question to ask. What is it that we are experiencing there? And how do we experience, or what do we experience when we experience nothing because the mind can only come up with while well, you experience nothing and that's a circular argument that that gets you nowhere so what is the experience like and for many people it's very different because many people report having experienced the illuminating void and many people experience something different for some it is simply a space of pure being and ultimate peace. There is no disturbance of any kind. And to be in that space, it's just to experience that ultimate in what other word is there? Peace. The ultimate in peaceful... Well, in Buddhism, they actually have an expression called calm abiding, or shunyata. And that perhaps has more meaning for you. Calm abiding. So abiding as in being, and calm, obviously, as in without disturbance, without agitation, Without any vibration, without sound, without light, and yet we know that we, it's it's known as the illuminating void. So this is this is already we're running into our first of many many paradoxes in attempting to understand or comprehend the emptiness with the rational mind. Because the rational mind operates on a function of comparison and labeling. So the rational mind can't really make sense of anything unless it can compare it to something. And what can you compare nothing to? And there's nothing compares to nothing, and you end up with an endless loop of circular arguments for the rational mind, because it can't. You cannot contextualize. You cannot label the nothingness, the void, the the emptiness, the zero, the the absence of something. The mind needs to work with something, and in the absence of something, it it. It runs a foul, it runs amok. It doesn't know how to how to process that in any conceivable way. Because even the mind can't even can barely conceive of nothing. Just try to think about nothing. Try to get your mind to think about nothing. Or rather, try to get your mind not to think. You know that it can't be done. It's impossible. You cannot tell your mind to be quiet. And in such a way that it would listen to you. It won't. It will, it cannot, the mind, the rational mind, cannot abide the emptiness. In many ways, the mind is the antithesis of calm abiding. Because the mind is neither calm, nor is it abiding. When does your mind listen to you? When does your mind obey you? Tell your mind to be quiet right now in this moment. We'll give you all the time you need. You see? It can't be done. You cannot tell your mind, okay, now shut up. I mean, you can try, but your mind won't listen to you. It does not abide. It does not obey. It just keeps doing what the mind does because the mind is a machine. And that machine, it's, as long as it has fuel and as long as it has inputs to work with it's going to keep churning away and spitting out outputs so we already from the get-go we are handicapped we are limited and obstructed by approaching this topic because our rational mind does not cannot function with this paradigm of emptiness and this is why two weeks ago we focused on meditation again because one of the functions of meditation is for us to be able to experience outside of and beyond the mind or rather without the interference of the rational mind without that constant mechanical uh operands operations that processing constant processing and processing and processing of information the constant comparison and judgment and labeling and uh what we call trains of uh thought and streams of consciousness and so on and so forth we have different different expressions for the, the busy mind and getting caught up in those trains of thought and so on. So, really, one of the goals of meditation is to arrive at a place where essentially the rational mind cannot go, it cannot go there. It does not, first of all, it does not want to go there, but it cannot be there. It cannot go there. It is antithetical to its nature. But clearly, this space of emptiness, of nothingness, clearly, this is a real phenomenon. This is a phenomenon that exists. Not just in the universe, but clearly it is a phenomena which is inside of ourselves, somewhere, deep, deep, deep within, the very center of our being, is a space of emptiness, of calm abiding, of total, motionless, it's even... Even to call it a space is almost a misnomer. It's a it's a a, a place of motionless disturbance disturbance, <laughs> if that's a word, um, of of peace. Now, what else emerges within us? from that space. Many have experienced different emanations from that emptiness. That's why we get the expression like the illuminating void. Because the void is not empty. And that is another irony and another paradox, which is difficult for our mind to grasp. However, there are ways that we can trick the mind into understanding what we are talking about and the first the first one of these is space the final frontier right these are the voyages of the starship enterprise et cetera et cetera when you look out at space you see blackness i mean you pick a patch of the night sky where there's no stars and no planets and you experience what appears to be the blackness of space, the void that is space. And it is black, it is, it's what we understand as being empty. Space is empty, it's a vacuum, is it not? From the physical perspective, certainly. And yet, that blackness, that void, that space, is filled with light. filled with light. And how do we know that? Well, there is nothing but space between us and the sun. There's nothing but space between us and the stars. And from any third person perspective, there's nothing but blackness, the void, the vacuum of space between us and the sun, or between us and any star. And yet, All the light from all the stars are passing through that void, are passing through that space, which to us appears black, and yet it is filled with light. So, even from our very limited, and one might even say primitive, third dimensional perspective, We have phenomena, we can observe phenomena, which appear to us as being empty. And yet that emptiness is filled with light. And it is saturated with light, in fact. Because all the light from all the stars in the universe actually cross and intersect one another within that void, within that space. Something vaguely similar is taking place in that emptiness inside of us. As we well approach it it, these these words just somehow don't apply. One doesn't not one does not approach emptiness. One does not advance to emptiness. One does not go to emptiness. These 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 words really really fail in the in sharing the experience of arriving at that space, that void. And yet, in our experience, our first experience of that void, we we did go there. we did go there. It's a very, very young child. We closed our eyes. And we closed them really tight. Because as a child would, using all of our willpower, what we could muster. We said, we're going to find out what's in there. And we kept going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And deeper. we could just like... like Telling ourselves that over and over and over again. Go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper, go deeper. But when we go deeper within ourselves, we're not really going anywhere. It is more accurate to say we are retreating. We are are drawing ourselves back. Back in towards our center, our source. And that center, that source, is... Is nothing the zero point of zero points. It is. Its official name, in esotericism, is the absolute. And again, the absolute. In Kabbalah, consists of three aspects: the Ain, the Ain Sof, and the Ain Sof R the endless ours is referred to as limitless light limitless light in the absolute abstract nothingness and then in certain aspects of gnosis you will encounter certain phrases and there are certain traditions and certain uh, acknowledged or accepted facts about for example master abramento or Master Jesus, who descended from the Solar Absolute. And in the Pista Sophia, he says, And I brought forth with me the light from the region of Barbello, where the great treasury of the light is found. And here, Jesus is talking about the Absolute as if it's a place with regions, and it has a treasury where the light is kept, and that because he descended from the Absolute, he was able to bring with him this light from this treasury of the light in the Absolute from the region of Barbello, as if The absolute is broken up into provinces or regions or something. This is so beyond the capacity for most of us to know in any experiential way. But for those who have achieved oneness with the solar absolute, their experience of it is very different than ours because of our level of consciousness compared to theirs and our our level of being. It is safe to say that only Christified Masters uh, can abide in the Absolute. So those who are one with the Logos, one with that oneness, one with that emptiness, they can step into and out of that emptiness, and somehow the threshold of that emptiness changes its nature. Once you can step across that threshold, like It would be for someone stepping into a virtual reality. Or stepping out of a virtual reality into this reality. Like, and this was this was illustrated in the matrix to one degree. And this is very true for any time we step across a dimensional boundary. So when we awaken, for example, in the fourth dimension in Jin state, or we awaken in the fifth dimension, it's... everything changes. It's because our perception has changed. Our perception of ourself and our perception of reality now is completely different, because we have stepped into another dimension. And it is very similar for that emptiness, which, at the moment at least, we experience as nothing. Because it is nothing like manifest reality. And from the perspective of anything in manifest reality, it is nothing but the void. But that's because, that's uh, in physics term terminology, we would call it a singularity. Because the concept of a singularity is that space-time collapses, and that you cannot know what is beyond the singularity. So it just appears as complete... Avoid it, just that's what it appears to us. But of course, from the other side of the singularity, it could be anything, and we can't know that there's no way for us to know that from our present reality because we are contained within space time. That's a crude example, but again, we have to work with what we have to work with. And here on the, in the three-dimensional plane, we have these corollaries, we have these phenomena where we can look to get some kind of allegorical appreciation for the nature of this emptiness that we can only experience or see as emptiness. So again, in that physics uh, example, the singularity, generally speaking, refers to the um, the space beyond the event horizon of a black hole. And that's why black holes are black and nobody really knows what's on the other side. And yet black holes emanate all kinds of energy and x-rays and all sorts of uh, um, uh, emanations come from a black hole, but nobody knows what's on the other side of that black hole because it's at its center is a singularity and one cannot know what's on the other side of the black hole. And a long time ago, back in the eighties, Walt Disney actually made a science fiction movie called The Black Hole. And the whole concept of that film was that they flew through, or they were going to uh, observe a black hole, and then what happened in the, uh, the course of the story. But we digress. I've uh, got a couple uh, chats to get to very quickly. Luke says, Yes, we wouldn't be able to perceive the blackness of space if it wasn't for that clear light that illuminates it, that's referring to the fact that space is filled with light, and he says, it's difficult to explain the emptiness of illuminating void, because in that, in that experience, there is no self, no person, no me, that is, that is a present to experience it. It is a paradoxical koan itself. As Azil says, it is like this smile without the face. <laughs> This is uh, an interesting notion. There is no self, there is no person, there is no me, all correct, and yet there is an am. There is an amnes, and that amnes again, depending on each individual's experience of that void, that nothingness. That amnes can be a, a, a multiplicity, so it, it can be a we. So right now your experience of yourself is that of an i even your amness is that of an individual there's a there's a oneness there but it's a, there's a singularity to that amness that we experience in our present state our present level of being one of the reasons why people refer to it as the illuminating void Is that in the zero point of zero points? The reason why we call it the zero point of zero points is because all of physical reality is an illusion. It is all just a projection, it is all just a virtual reality. And so every zero point is coincident, and every zero point is an inflection point to a higher dimension. So, dimensionality itself, the way we explain it is if you have ever, if you know what a a pinhole camera is, and you know that you can take take a board and put a pinhole in it, and then you have a scene over here and a white wall over here, and and you can project an, an inverted image through a pinhole camera and there's a wall there just, just a, there's just a, a pinhole but the light comes through and crosses this is essentially the same thing what uh, same thing that happens with a lens it's just the lens is glass and that focuses the light in different ways so you can create larger or smaller projections just imagine every zero point as a pinhole in a pinhole camera. And when we say as above, so below, it's just like looking at the image that's being projected through the pinhole on the pinhole camera. And that pinhole is, we call it the zero point. But all those zero points, that exists in this infinite universe or what it what appears to us as an infinite universe in 3d space all those zero points are actually coincident they're coincident with the zero point of zero points and so to reach that point is to be one with all zero points and that includes all points within space, and in particular, all noose atoms, which we call it the atom noose, or the we atom. It's located in the left ventricle of the heart, in esoteric tradition, and it is the seat of the being. It is the seat of the monad within this three-dimensional body. But all of those noose atoms are coincident. They're coincident. They're all individuated essences of the second logos, which in turn is a projection of the first logos, which descends from the Solar Absolute. So we can, in some ways, imagine that Keter, the first sephirah on the Tree of Life, the Father, which descends from the Solar Absolute, is that pinhole. And what it projects is the second Logos, and what it projects onto is bina, or the Holy Spirit, which is the Divine Mother. That's the Akash. That's the, the space itself, which receives that projection. Because a projection is is all well and good, but it has to be received somehow. It has to be, you need a screen to project onto. And in the case of, for example, physical reality, from the zero point, the, the fourth dimension passes through the zero point and projects into three dimensional space to so that three dimensional space has to exist in some sort of medium, even if that medium is in our mind. So this is getting a little, uh, what's the word existential? No, <laughs> it's very difficult to grasp all of this in the mind. Let's put it that way. It's easier to use your visualization and imagination than to try to think it through. But the point being, at each level of manifestation, the medium becomes denser. And so, and the projection becomes more complicated. So, we know that about the different levels of reality and the different laws. So, we always forget the names of them. Uh, Bria, uh, sorry, Atsaluth, Bria uh See, we're a terrible gnostic. Don't come to us to learn about those kinds of types of terminology and stuff because we just don't remember it. We're so terrible with names. we can't remember terminology. We can't remember labels. So suffice it to say at each level of manifestation, as each uh, uh, emanation from the emptiness expands out, but then it contract it it, it passes through another zero point. Which is another pinhole in the pinhole camera. So you have this the reflection again, and each time it passes through one of those pinholes on the pinhole camera, that's our. That's just the analogy that we're using. It becomes it becomes another projection to a different medium, and that medium determines how complex and complicated and what laws now apply to that projection, and that's how the different dimensions and the different worlds, as we descend from the solar absolute, become denser and more complicated, more complex, including right down to the third dimension and beyond the third dimension into Klipoth, which is hell, which is is obviously the most dense and the most complicated. And the deeper you go in hell, the further you go down in Klipoth, the more complicated it becomes, and the denser it becomes, the heavier every, the more laws apply. And we can experience this ourselves in our reality, in our life, in our world. because one of the ways you can describe hell is the weight that you that you carry on your heart or on your mind, and the complexity of everything and trying to figure things out. And it's you're so many different things to worry about now so many different variables that come into play. And that's the realm of the rational mind. That crazy busyness trying to figure out all that complexity and trying to juggle all of that heaviness all of that weightiness and keeping all those balls in the air. And that's why it's antithetical to the emptiness and any time we pass from one world to the next we have to pass through that zero point so we have to pass through a point of stillness And so many experiences of emptiness, of, of nothingness, of stillness, it may not, we we might not be experiencing the solar absolute, but we can be experiencing by proxy a version of it as we are progressing along the way. Because at the end of the day, as we said, every zero point in the universe is coincident, and is an individuated essence of the zero point of zero points. And then each level and each dimension, you can imagine, again, using this pinhole camera analogy, that every dimension passes through another pinhole to produce the next lower dimension, and so on and so forth. So there are layers and levels and layers and levels of these zero points, and in one way we can look to, for example, the seven chakras as representing each of those zero points, or the seven notes and the seven octaves, right? So each each note can be a different point, but then though each of those seven notes in one octave That that octave is another point. So there's points within points. So as the Absolute unfolds, again, it's nothing. It's emptiness. It's a point. So as it unfolds, it unfolds more points. And it is the space between the points that receives the projection that is being projected through the points. That's why we love the analogy of the pinhole camera. Because you could take a book, for example, that has 100 pages. Let's not use 100 pages. Let's use 49. Let's use 49. Let's use a book that has 49 pages. And we take... uh, a needle or a drill, right? And we we or a pin and we put a hole. We put that pin through the book, all 49 pages. Now, if we remove the spine of that book and take those 49 pages and separate them out, right, what are we going to get? We're going to get seven times seven pages. Seven notes and seven octaves which just so happens to coincide perfectly with the 49 levels of the mind. So everything is connected in this way. And so you separate those pages out. And now if you have an image over here, that image will pass through each one of those, the each pinhole in each page and project onto the next page. And it'll be inverted, the image will be inverted because that's what happens in a pinhole camera or or your SLR camera for that matter, any camera, the image that the image that passes through a lens becomes, uh, ups, becomes inverted. And so you have seven times seven images or projections on that descending scale through the seven octaves and the seven notes of each of those seven octaves. And yet, and it's and all of that projection, right? Because we're talking a pinhole camera, how it's all light. It's all light. And when you start digging into what light is, light is frequency, light is vibration. So really, it's sound, right? It's all frequency, it's all vibration. Let's go back to um, get a couple chats here. Benjamin says, Do you think Christ speaks from this void? And the flesh of Jesus was the medium. Because he says, For I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know that his command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. And uh, Benjamin says, As I hear, I judge. and, And my judgment is just. Because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father, which hath sent me." So, it's difficult to know at any given point uh, in the traditional Bible who is speaking, because the Bible is out of order. For example, if I were to refer to my Father in heaven, I would be referring to Atlas. If we were Christified Masters, that is, post-Christification, a Christified Master referring to his Father in Heaven refers to Keter, the First Logos, and the Absolute. And in between these two places, there's Atlas himself, who if we were a master, not yet resurrected, just a master, then if we were to say our father, we would be referring to the Christ. Because it's all relative. Your father in heaven, if you are speaking from the point of view of a mortal man, your father in heaven is your innermost. But your innermost has a father in heaven. And the, the so your innermost being has a being. And the being of our being is the being of beings. That's the Christ. But the but the Christ is the second logos. So even a Christified master has a Father in heaven. The, lo, the, the second logos speaks of his Father in heaven, of Keter, and the absolute. So, again, it's, we really don't know at any given point precisely who was uh, speaking about whom in any given passage, unless we know for sure that the passage was post-Christification or pre christification but even then it's you know was this jesus the man speaking or was it his innermost speaking and um ultimately you should ask yourself does it really matter because the point is clear is that no matter what level we are at there is always another level above us and the whole point of Spirituality is to achieve oneness with our source, oneness with our Father in heaven. And each time we think that we've accomplished that, we discover another level, a new level. And one of the reasons why this topic appeared to us today is because we encounter, for example, in the New Age, we encounter individuals like Eckhart Tolle and many who experience emptiness and stillness on some level. And then they decide that their journey is done, that they're finished. And in our experience, achieving emptiness or experiencing emptiness, in our experience, it's the beginning. It's the beginning of our journey. It's not the end of the journey, it's the beginning. No matter how you want to define that beginning. Even if you want to defi- if you've spent your entire life searching for the void and you finally experience it, then congratulations, you've just begun a whole new journey. And anyone who experiences the void knows this. No one who truly comprehends and experiences the void genuinely and comprehends what they experienced. Because that's its nature. That's the nature of every pinhole, every zero point, every singularity is just a doorway it's just a portal to a whole new dimension of discovery and of experience and should we ever actually achieve the absolute then i mean can can you even begin to fathom what the life of a cosmo creator is like that's a that's the being at the center of a planet a being whose physical body consists of an entire planet and every living thing on it you already consist billions and billions of individual cells and dozens of organs and hundreds and hundreds of billions of microbial entities living in mutual harmony and symbiosis in your body without which you would die without which you could not exist Uh, what most people understand these as are probiotics for example right without which you couldn't eat you would die you couldn't digest anything without them. Now just imagine, that's and you're just, you're one, you're, you're one being. Now just try to conceive there are 8 billion more like you on this planet. And that's just the human kingdom. Almost 9 billion now. And that's just the human kingdom. Now consider all the plant all the other animals all the birds all the mammals all the reptiles all the fish all the insects <laughs> and then start layering in all the plants and then in terms of mass then consider all the beings in the mineral kingdom and this is just in the third dimension Let's not even get into the fourth dimensional entities and so on and so forth. Imagine all of that being in your body. Imagine the experience of what that might be like. And you have to be conscious of all of that. Conscious and aware of all of those beings and what they're doing. So when we talk about emptiness and the void, We're talking about passing through a portal of one world, of one reality, of one type of experience into another. Uh, Some quick comments here. Um, Let's see if we can... uh, Lux says, In Tibetan Buddhism, they say dharmakaya... And Samantabhadra, Samantabhadra, Dharmakaya and Samantabhadra are inadvisable. In Christianity, this is equivalent to say that the Father or Kater and the Absolute are one and inseparable. This is true. But in Christianity, they say, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. Three in one. And Lux uh, follows up and says, yes, after falling into the void, you are imbued with the humility that you are literally nothing. You are zero. From the zero, the journey begins then. Just like you say. And Benjamin thanks us for explaining and clarifying that topic so well. Presumably, uh, Benjamin, you're referring to are the levels of fatherhood, how we always have another father. There's always another level. And... Something that the uh, Gnostic instructors at N. Uh, Often say, or you might hear them say, often is that the absolute is profoundly unknowable to itself. Oh, and Lux, do you mean you don't mean inadvisable, you mean indivisible? You must. You might be on a phone or something. It keeps spelling, uh, uh, misspelling it for you. But it's indivisible. Uh, not in, not inadvisable. Indivisible means cannot be separated. And yes, in in one sense, but in another sense, uh, the absolute manifests itself. Precisely to proffer the possibility of divisibility. It, it, it's very interesting. Language is not coincidental, language is meaningful and purposeful. And isn't it interesting that the word divisible, meaning something that can be divided? into its parts, includes the word visible, that that visibility, that which can be seen, is related somehow to the word divisibility and indivisibility, that which cannot be divided. And how the word invisible, meaning that which cannot be seen, is so similar. Invisible and indivisible, they're they're very similar. Now, let's apply this just very simply to light. Now you can't see white light. White light is invisible. You don't see light. You don't see white light. You see reflections of light. You see light that has been refracted or the light that has been, uh, that has passed through a prism, for example, and you see all the colors of the rainbow, like the, uh, the cover of uh, Pink Floyd's album, right? Um you see the light passing through the spectrum and it creates all the lights,, uh, uh, all the all the different colors, the the spectrum of colors, the seven colors which constitute white light. So you have to divide what is invisible and make it, you might, you must make it divisible, to make it visible. And the etymology of these words, divisible, is directly related to like D being a prefix and visible meaning that which can be seen. So divisible relates directly to that which can be seen that which is visible and it's because the two things are intimately related even from a philosophical and conceptual standpoint one whole you can see it but only as one thing you can't you can't see all its parts in that sense it's invisible so The absolute is emptiness, and if light, if the nature of light is that it becomes invisible, when all of its parts reunite, it becomes pure white light, becomes invi- that's what you see, by the way, in the emptiness of space. It's pure white light. It's unfiltered, unconditioned light. Unconditioned light is invisible. It only becomes visible when it becomes conditioned, when it becomes divided, when it it is divisible. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that exist as one entity, indivisible, well, that's why you can't see them. They're, They're nowhere to be seen. The archangels, where are they? You can't see them. When can you see them? You can see them if they come down and incarnate as in human form, and they become an avatar, they become a prophet, they become a saint. They become like Jesus Christ, who was a man in flesh. And in doing so, Master Abramento left the the Absolute to be here, to to take on a physical form, a human body, and to suffer. In order to be seen by men and women here on earth, God has to separate from himself. To be made visible, God must, the Christ must be divisible in that sense. So an individuated essence of the Christ is born in human form, in mechanical nature, clothed in mechanical nature. In other words, the nothing, the emptiness, becomes something, becomes a man. Nothing can know nothing. Just as white light must be separated to see the colors. So, It must be conditioned. All this virtual reality around you, look around you, look at all the colors. All of that is fragmented light, conditioned light. Vibrational frequencies of light, which have interfaced with other vibrational frequencies of light, and are now bouncing back at you. And reflecting, being refracted, reflected, conditioned according to what they interacted with. In truth, all of this is perturbations in the absolute. If you want to really get right down to it, because pinholes and pinhole cameras and screens and all that kind of stuff is fine for an allegory and an explanation. But really, all those zero points are coincident. And the screen is the screen of consciousness. So all of this is happening in a virtual sort of way. So all of this manifest reality is, in that sense, virtual. But, from the practical point of view and from our perspective, and in order so that we can comprehend and grasp this to one degree or another, the emptiness, the nothingness, contains all but in that containment in that singularity itself there's 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 nothing to experience there's nothing to know it's like the it's like the pinhole of a pinhole camera there's just right it needs to be you need to see the projection you need, in order to experience what's on the other side. You have to be on either side of the singularity to be able to experience. To be in the singularity itself means to experience nothing. And so when a Gnostic instructor tells you that the absolute is profoundly unknowable to itself, this is what they mean. Because if you've experienced that zero point, that nothingness, that absolute peace, and that's it's a wonderful... Place to be, but nothing happens. Nothing moves. There's no, there's there's literally nothing. There's nothing to know. What, because to know yourself in that space is to know what looks <laughs> uh, uh, described here. It's, it's difficult to... because you know yourself as emptiness, as nothing. No person, no self. And, and, and in fact, even if you can feel that we am-ness and we-ness, the all, what you're feeling is the zero points, an infinite number. How many times can you multiply zero to get something other than zero? If I multiply zero by infinity, what is the answer? Is the answer infinity? No, the answer is zero. And that fundamental mathematical truth is foundational to all reality. We look at the zero, the number zero, okay? We look at the number zero, and because we draw that as a symbol... And by the way, hopefully you're starting to grasp the reason why we chose this background <laughs> with, the concentric, with the concentric circles emanating from, from the zero point. <laughs> because when you visualize a circle, right, mathematically, the circumference um, and the slope of the circumference, right, pi is, is, goes on to infinity, You can go around and around and around and around and around that circle for infinity. And so we see that zero is contained by infinity. The infinity emerges from the zero point. And that's the way we visualize that and conceptualize that. But the drawing of a circle, and that aspect of sacred geometry, is already a manifestation in the world of Atsaluth. That's, that's a, an unformed essence of form. It is a form already. Everything is contained by nothing. There's no circle there, there's no line. Which means there's no no boundary to nothing. There's no boundary to nothing. But it doesn't matter how many times you multiply, it doesn't matter how many concentric circles expand out from that zero point, they're always going to be zero. You can expand nothingness out to infinity, but it's still nothing. Because it doesn't matter how many times you multiply zero, you get zero. It doesn't matter how many times you multiply nothing, you get nothing. It, and nothing is invisible. So, the great cosmic day, the great out-breath, the great cosmic day, the mahamambantara is precisely the nothingness, the void, the emptiness, projecting through, through that zero point, it has to project into somethingness. And something is by definition uh, div- divided. It's not nothing anymore. It might have emerged from nothing, and in that sense it could be a part of nothing but in order for it to become something and visible it had to divide itself it had to emerge from the nothingness meanings meaning the uh the invisible and indivisible must become divisible to become visible and a few weeks ago we walked through the process of creation we walked through The process of coming from nothing to something, with the mathematics and the sacred geometry, if you recall that lecture. And so this is the what emptiness is, but more importantly and practically from our point of view, the why of emptiness. And what is it for? What is it for? And we vehemently, vehemently oppose all doctrines and all practice and all uh, suggestion and philosophy that the goal is emptiness. Emptiness is the beginning. The point to arriving in emptiness, to arriving in that space, that's the beginning, that's the grounding point, the zero point from which a new creation can be born, a new experience, a new discovery, a new sharing, a new manifestation into the world. If we can become one with that emptiness, if we can squeeze our consciousness and with focused concentration, not under duress not under any kind of stress or anxiety or super effort in the in the kind of physical way but but through relaxation and controlled relaxation and concentration and visualization and prayer i.e. meditation we can retreat and retreat and retreat and retreat back until we get to that and we can pass through that pinhole to the next level and then pass through another pinhole to the next level and pass through another pinhole to the next level and the next and the next and the next until we arrive at the pinhole of pinholes, the zero point of zero points. And then if we make a pinprick and the very fabric of the universe itself, then what will what comes out of there can be completely overwhelming. But, certainly, at each and every point along this path, along this journey, the goal of being in that nothingness, that that emptiness, that stillness, is to be there and lie in patience. And await the reception for something new to be born within us, which we then must bring into the world, whatever that may be. We vehemently oppose the notion that, like for example, Eckhart Tolle's uh, 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 beliefs that that arriving at that place is is it, that's what it's all about just to be in that place of zero point of, of, of stillness of emptiness of, of perfect observance and say yeah well okay sure that's there's an aspect of that we have to be in self-observation we have to be relaxed we have to be at peace and aware of everything going around around going on around us and within us but again that's the starting point but you literally have millions and millions and millions of people following Eckhart Tolle who believe that their spiritual journey is done their spiritual journey is over and that spiritual journey clearly if the, if that's the point of the path is to find that space of emptiness. Where is the giving? Where is the sharing? Where is the suffering and sacrifice for others? Sure, you've achieved a space of peace, a space of calm. You believe that anyway. But what about what emerges from that space? Now we don't honestly we don't keep up with Eckhart Tolle. We don't follow him. We don't read his books. So who knows what he's teaching nowadays? It could be, you know, who you know, whatever. The point is. Well let's let's make a different point. Let's 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 get on to a different topic. Let um sometimes or often, let's say, often we we live with the silence. And the silence is yet another one of these words and another one of these concepts which encapsulates this emptiness. The nothingness, the void. Silence is another word that relates to that. And we often will refer to the still soft voice of intuition, our conscience, our innermost Jiminy Cricket. And that's what that's what Jiminy Cricket is. It's Pinocchio's conscience, right? Jiminy Cricket is Pinocchio's still soft voice personified, and the reason why he's a cricket, and we've talked about this in the past when we talk about the Anahat sound, and if you meditate on the Anahat sound, which is the ringing in the ears the uh, that emanates from the pineal gland, and people call it tinnitus, and there are people seeking procedures to get that, to, to stop that tinnitus in their in their head because it drives them crazy. If you meditate on the Anahat sound long enough, you will hear the sound of a cricket emerging from within you. And, um, in one of his books, possibly dream yoga, but, um, master Samael talks about how in ancient Greece. The philosophers used to catch crickets and keep them in little golden cages next to their bed. So at nighttime, especially when it was hot, the uh, the crickets would start singing. And if you fall asleep with the sound of a cricket uh, buzzing in your ear, it would help you project into the astral plane. So... Hearing, hearing, we use quotes to say hearing, the voice of God, and this is true for how many different saints and prophets and persons from the Bible who heard God speak to them. And Joan of Arc, who from a very young age said that God spoke to her. So, hearing the voice of our innermost being, the still soft voice, uh, revelation as a, as a voice, as the, the voice of God speaking to us. The, the reality is, the hard reality is for most of us, most of the time, that voice is silent, it's quiet. We can't hear anything. And as we described at the very beginning, in a very tinny sounding voice, <laughs> uh, the mind uh, hates silence. Silence is antithetical to the nature of the rational mind. So the mind is constantly filling The silence with garbage with, with, you know, and why does the mind do that? Because what is inside us, which despises the silence the most is our egos. And so our egos are between the egos and the mind, our three brains, where our, our five centers and three brains, our mind, our heart, our body, motor instinctive sexual centers, right? Mental center and emotional center. Those are the five centers. There's always something going on. There's always something there to distract us. And ask yourself, can you, can you be comfortable in total silence? Do you need to have some white noise on in the background? Do you need to have some music on in the background? Or do you turn the TV on? Or do you have to have YouTube videos playing or something going on in the background? Just observe yourself the next time. If you can just sit in silence without meditating. We're not talking about meditation now. We're just talking about just being at home. Nobody's around, just you by yourself. And just pay attention. To whether or not you can be comfortable in silence, or if you start feeling kind of, kind of antsy, kind of you know like uh, like uncomfortable in your own skin for some reason, you don't really know why. But but for you know, but you go and you put on some background music, or you turn on the TV, or you turn on the radio, just because you, you need to have something the mind needs to have this constant stimulation. And the heart wants constant stimulation. Why? Because they're mechanical in us. And egos, obviously, want constant stimulation, but more importantly, they want our attention. And they get our attention through stimulation, by being stimulated and being indulged. Because what they want, two things they want, sexual energy and our consciousness. And this is one of the reasons why meditation is so challenging for many people. is because when you lie down to meditate or you sit and try to meditate, your body will start itching or feeling uncomfortable or your heart or your mind or they're all vying for your attention because in meditation you are you are withdrawing your consciousness from them. And you're retreating back into the silence, into the into the the emptiness and you're trying to experience that emptiness and be one with the silence. So, of course, the mind freaks out, the emotions freak out, the body freaks out. Because, no, because they're mechanical, they're machines. They need constant stimulation. For a machine, if a machine stops, a machine has no way to start up again. And machines are, because they run on mechanical laws... One of the laws of mechanical nature is inertia. Things that are going want to keep on going. It's called momentum. It's called inertia. Things tend to keep on doing what they're already doing, even if they're doing nothing. So if something in the mechanical kingdom stops, it has a tendency to stay stopped. That's why once you finally do quiet down the mind, and the mind settles down, and slows down and finally stops altogether, then you can observe how your meditation, you reach an entire new level of actually beginning to meditate because, again, those mechanical entities, they're governed by those mechanical laws, And so the entire time they're fighting you and fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting and try to keep going and try to keep going and try to keep going. But eventually they run out of steam. They run out of energy. And so then they stop. And then once they stop, they've stopped. They can't start up again, or at least not very easily. They do. If you break meditation, then they're back. But right. So. But it's that silence is another way to contextualize and understand emptiness. And yet, again, silence is just a pinhole. Emptiness is a pinhole. Once you attain the silence what emerges from the silence that's why we call intuition the still soft voice intuition is silent you can hear it but it's silent and the whole point of meditation is to receive information receive information in silence and through the silence And in the darkness, in the emptiness, in the blackness, images can emerge. Profound images and whole experiences can be had, filled with color and visualization and form and sound, and yet there is no sound there. There's no form there. These are all very paradoxical. But this is the capacity that consciousness has that the rational mind does not. So that which the rational mind fears and dislikes, and that which the rational mind finds wholly uncomfortable and unsettling and again observe yourself next time you're at home alone and just you know it's all quiet how do you feel and do you have to yeah again you have to turn on the tv youtube the radio what have you consciousness the nature of consciousness from the perspective of from our perspective from the perspective of lower dimensional reality consciousness itself is emptiness. The science of consciousness is the science of emptiness, and the science of the void, and the language of silence, the forms in formlessness, And that's why it is so important to practice meditation and to practice receiving information and to develop discernment between what we receive from our innermost, from our Father in Heaven, onto the screen of our mind versus what gets projected onto the screen of our mind by our egos or by the rational mind if it's just it's it's natural machinations right the ai because consciousness in the emptiness in the in the formlessness consciousness has the profundity of comprehensiveness. And the rational mind is bound by the limits of mechanicity. What does this mean in a practical way? Recall how we were saying that the void, the emptiness, the nothingness, must divide, in order for something to become visible. So nothing must become something. And that something is divisible from the from the nothing. That's true in and only if we are looking at it from the nature and from the perspective of mechanical reality, manifest reality, because the mind and the senses cannot perceive nothing. So in order to experience something, that something is divided out of nothing. And so we have that which is visible and divisible versus that which is invisible and indivisible. And we talked about that, how God is indivisible, and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are indivisible, that's why they're invisible. (laughs) Because you can't... That's why materialist science and the atheist demand for evidence of God is fundamentally and paradoxically incorrect. Because everything that exists on mechanical nature is by definition divided and divisible and it's all based in duality. And Even the New Agers get this to one degree or another when they talk about separation and living in the universe of separation and living in the consciousness of separation. Is that if someone believes that they're separate from God, well, they're coming from ego. They're not in touch with their their higher self because their true self is not separate from God, is not separate from anybody else. And even the New Agers get this to some degree, to some level. Unfortunately, many of them only get it intellectually. They don't experience it, and therefore they don't really know. They just conceptually understand it and believe it, and therefore they think they know. But they just believe they know. And we've talked about why that matters. And the rational mind plays these tricks. The egos will play these tricks on us. So that conceptually and intellectually, we can we can believe these things, and oh yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, mechanical nature separation duality yeah, okay right and and spirituality is oneness and being one with all things and okay so i believe i'm one with all things in god therefore my my journey is done oh yeah and i can get into this quiet place of stillness and emptiness like Eckhart tolle describes. so my spiritual journey is done <clears throat> and that's all just an illusion it's all just an illusion of fabrication of ego mind it's all just exists in this AI entity, this artificial intelligence. And therefore, there's no real experience there. There's no real knowledge there. It's artificial. It's an illusion. And more aptly put, it's a delusion. It's a delusion. And again, (laughs) when we look at those words, illusion and delusion those words are related directly to that which is visible an illusion and a delusion suggest or a hallucination these are all suggesting <clears throat> phenomenon which are by definition divisible because they are visible And the irony is, is that knowledge, self-evident experiential knowledge, that which we seek, we experience, and we can see and we can find, but only through oneness, and that, and through being. And that's, so being, being one, that which is indivisible, undivided. So again, retreating back from mechanical nature into the zero points. Because everything is a projection, as we described, as the the uh, precipitation from that which is, undivided, and subtle, and invisible, to that which is divided, divisible, and visible. And it's that division, and that visibility, which, and that uh, separation, which denotes mechanicity. Because what, what is mechanical is not conscious. It's conscious to some degree, but it's it's not conscious in the strictest sense. it is it is conscious at its level, but that level of consciousness is mechan- mechanicity, mechanical. And again, this, we coming back to this, we keep coming back to this. There's no good and evil. Good and evil are concepts. But mechanical and conscious are not concepts. those are real phenomenon. You know the difference between uh, a computer. I love this analogy. Um, was it Peter Russell, Peter Russell? gives a talk on the primacy of consciousness, and he uses this this analogy. He says, what is easier for you to do? Now keep in mind that a jellyfish has no brain. A jellyfish has no brain, and a jellyfish has no central nervous system. So for all intents and purposes, a jellyfish can't feel pain, or at least it can't feel pain in any way that we can comprehend or conceive of pain because it has no central nervous system and it has no brain. Okay. What is, but what is it easier for you to do? To unplug a toaster or throw a jellyfish on the fire? Check in with your conscience, your consciousness. You got a jellyfish in one hand or you have, let's say your laptop computer in the other, right? What's easier for you to unplug? Like what's what's easier for you to cut its life force and to shut it down? You unplug your computer or you throw a jellyfish on the fire? Right? Clearly, there's a distinction and there's a difference between these two entities, despite the fact that neither of them have a brain and neither neither of them have a central nervous system. One is a plastic, an electro, uh, uh, electrical device, silicon-based uh, computer. And the other is a purely biomechanical organism, doesn't even have a brain. And yet, and yet, not so easy to throw that living thing into the fire, willy-nilly, just, you know, for shits and giggles. So because that jellyfish, as primitive as it may be as a life form, nonetheless, it, is, it, it has more consciousness than the laptop does. The laptop, you recognize it's a machine. It is not alive. It does not have consciousness. It, it, it's on a different level of being than the jellyfish. And so we treat the jellyfish with hopefully with some respect if not reverence but 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 some respect as a living thing as a living entity versus the computer which we know is not alive and yet that computer and very soon these chat gpt things and these ai things they're going to be be they're going to start behaving more and more and more like intelligent real living entities and the first AI robots will be coming out of Japan. That's a hundred percent, a hundred percent certainty. Except for the military ones, which are going to be coming from DARPA and the U.S. military and Boston Dynamics. But the military applications aside, the first commercially viable human interface AI robots will be coming from Japan. Japan will be the first, and they will have robot. Uh, 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 maids and robot, uh, servers and restaurants. Like they already have them to a limited degree, little droids that already go around. Like you can go to these, uh, cafes and restaurants in Japan where there's no, there are no, uh, people serving you. You sit down at your table and a little robot comes and a robot takes your order and goes away and then comes back with your order. And, and all the people are hidden from view. It's a robot cafe, and they're very, very, very popular in Japan. Japan has a very strong cultural uh, identification with, you might say, obsession with robots. It 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 goes back not only to Astro Boy, but actually goes right back into the uh, 1800s, Um, in and and further back than that as well, because it connects all the way back to the Japanese Shinto. Uh, religion and they're worshiping of Amunculai, right? The mineral kingdom. And so they believe on some level that that robots do have a soul. Or at least they they want to believe that. They they that's a remnant from their Shinto uh religious roots, which get carried over into Zen Buddhism um as well. And then it just got Amplified by things like anime and so on. Astro Boy, for example, the little boy wonder robot and uh, it was essentially Astro Boy is essentially a modern remake of Pinocchio. Um, Any case, we digress. But You notice the difference between Mechanicity and Consciousness and Mechanicity is all relates to somethingness, right? as we said, the rational mind itself can't even conceive of emptiness and it doesn't know what to do with it. it can't? It, there's nothing to work with. Literally, there's nothing to work with because the mind has to compare and contrast and, and it has to be, in order to be able to, to process something, it doesn't matter how many times you process zero, you come up with zero. But the consciousness is not mechanical. And the consciousness can be comprehensive. The consciousness can grasp these paradoxes. And the consciousness can hear what is silent. The consciousness can see what the physical eyes cannot. The consciousness can know that which is beyond the capacity for our mechanical selves and our rational mind to know. And that's why when we talk about the path and we talk about experiencing the void or experiencing emptiness or expanding the consciousness that's why meditation and silence and Right, settling down the mind and getting into that space, and getting into that space of emptiness is so important because born out of that emptiness is everything. Because everything exists inside of that emptiness, and the consciousness can know it within that context. to one degree or another, as it takes form, which then can be projected onto the screen of the mind. So it is through the conscious knowing, and hearing of the silence, and being in the void, That f- aspects, fragments of the whole, which are invisible and indivisible, are made divisible and visible. But the key to knowing this and the key to be able to the key to be able to work with that emptiness is to get comfortable with emptiness and develop discernment that which is born of the consciousness which is born of the emptiness and that which is like as we said machinations of the mind Because emptiness has a purpose. And the purpose of emptiness, even though we talk about being, and being one, and being grounded and being centered in that nothingness, in that emptiness, in that silence, the why and the what is it for is precisely because it wants to know itself and it wants to see itself and see it its works out there in the world and it wants to give and wants to share it wants to illuminate it wants to <clears throat> inspire cuz remember the word inspire means in spirit inspiration But then we get words like illumination, again, the illuminating void, and enlightenment, and all these words related to light, and the light which emanates from the void, like the cosmic rays which emanate from a black hole. It's it's, it's, it's an analogous phenomenon. So we want to become comfortable with spending time in that emptiness and just sitting in it and just being in that space and not needing to distract ourselves, not needing to have music on in the background, not needing to have the TV or the radio or whatever. You know, for our part, we, we like to meditate early in the morning when it's, you know, obviously very quiet and there's no distractions and so on. There might be some birds chirping outside, five a.m., which 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 happens. But recently, we also disclosed that we've we've been writing our book, and so we get up for well, it depends on circumstances. Sometimes three, four, five in the morning, when we're up and we're at the computer, and we make sure to have no other distractions to allow. That silence and that emptiness that normally we would be using for meditation, we turn into a working meditation. So that everything can, everything that comes to us, we can record and get down into the keyboard. Something very similar takes place when we do our live streams, except the difference is we turn on a camera. And, uh, and when we, and when we remember to, we, uh, we put the microphone in the right spot. And we allow ourselves to enter that space of emptiness to the point where, as is often the case with our live streams, but today in particular. We had absolutely nothing planned and nothing to go on. We didn't even make the connection between emptiness and the live stream we did two weeks ago on meditation. That connection we made live in front of you. There was no actual conscious connection that we made about doing emptiness. We sat down uh yesterday when we returned from the hospital cuz unfortunately our father is back in the hospital and so we had no time no we literally literally uh returned from the hospital and sat down and realized that we were several hours late in in posting the uh the ad for today's live stream and we had we had no topic we had no idea what to do and we sat in front of the computer and we're like n- nothing came absolutely not n- nada zip zilch and then we went okay emptiness it is <laughs> that's the topic that's the topic that's what we got we got nothing we got silence static and that's why we made the uh, the thumbnail for this video just a basically a concrete wall <laughs> okay right And we said that's okay well then clearly that's going to be that that's what's going to be today's topic and and everything that we've been sharing with you and everything that you guys have been sharing with us has been spontaneously coming up out of that emptiness, out of that space and we there's only one way to be able to get to this place to be able to work with that emptiness and that nothingness to be able to hear the silence and and speak the silence speak that which emerges from the silence That which is, and that which connects with individuals on that level of consciousness, because all of us, our consciousness, again, our consciousness is not divisible. You can't see your consciousness. You can't see my consciousness. Consciousness is, it's invisible. And that's because it's indivisible. And because, and because it is indivisible, it is comprehensive. Consciousness is that faculty which allows us to know the opposites simultaneously. And consciousness can uh, reconcile all paradoxes and all opposites. For instance, the yin and the yang of the Tao, or the holy affirmation, holy negation, holy reconciliation, the tria, uh, tria nazi kamno, right? The the law of three. Masculine, feminine, and union of masculine and feminine. But the consciousness can can comprehend and reconcile that. A consciousness can know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit indivisible, three as one, as three and as one. Whereas the mind w- w- wants to separate them, either understands them as three separate parts or understands them as one whole, but never both simultaneously. Just try that with your mind. And it is this quality of emptiness that, and experience in this space of emptiness and spending time, valuable time, quality time in the emptiness that we cultivate the capacity. And we, because in that space of emptiness, when we get, and that's why, again, related back to meditation where the rational mind settles down and all mechanicity settles down and for all intents and purposes ceases the crazy production line from charlie chaplin's movie modern times right because you know that remember when when charlie gets trapped in the gears of the machine or say the tramp the tramp gets trapped in the gears of the machine. And he's going crazy trying to keep up with the uh, the conveyor belt and the, um, the assembly line. When all that machinery dies down and settles down, now in that emptiness, in that silence, in that space, consciousness can bloom. And in the blooming of that consciousness, the voluptuousness consciousness can fill that space and expand that space and it is in that field of consciousness that all that is indivisible and in one can begin to emerge and be made visible both div- divisible visible while it is indivisible And only the consciousness can do that. Only the consciousness can hear the still soft voice, right? Only the consciousness can hear that which is silent. Only the consciousness can see that which is invisible. This is what it means to have the eyes to see and the ears to hear. But we cultivate and we develop that muscle in this space of emptiness. And it is by being in that space of emptiness and being patient and receptive and present and focused and concentrated and relaxed that we fill that emptiness with our consciousness and the consciousness can be made to come alive and exercised and developed. And then we begin to get slowly but surely practiced in working with our consciousness. And the more we receive little little bits and pieces at first, little hints of this and that and the other thing. And it's different for everybody. Little inspirations, little this, little that. And then in your waking life, if you're practicing self observation, self remembering, and you're remembering to make your life a meditation, and you're centering yourself in that emptiness within, and you're paying attention, and you're remaining conscious. Now, you can, in spite of all the mechanicity, in spite of the racing mind, in spite of all the distractions, in spite of all the colors and everything else going around you, you can still be grounded in that space of emptiness, of silence, of pure perception, of pure observation. And then you discover that God is speaking to you all around you, all the time, and that the living, breathing Word of God is written lar- large, writ large and small in the Book of Life, in all the circumstances around you. But this is a process of being able to be in it, but not of it. So you're in the middle of the cacophony. You're in the middle of the hurly-burly, to use some Shakespearean words. You're on the heath, right, of King Lear. The storms are raging. Everybody's losing their shit around you. Everybody's going crazy. But you can be in the eye of, in the, eye of the storm, in a place of essential emptiness, in the void, in the zero point of all possibility, of all opportunity, and of oneness with it all. So let all the craziness happen. You can be centered and calm and at peace. And you can receive from within and from without. Because when you are in that place of emptiness, in that zero point, you are one with every zero point around you. So the zero point of zero points speaks through projections through every zero point. So if you are in your zero point and connected, then you're connected to all zero points. And now you can hear the word of God. You can see the signs of, of, of God all around you, the symbols, the allegories, the, the the messages from your divine mother, from your innermost being, from from God, all around you. Why? Because you are practiced and you know you are comprehensive in this void, in the nothingness, in the emptiness. Because the other thing that you realize, the more you practice this, the more you spend time with emptiness, with nothingness, that you realize that all of somethingness, every something, is an illusion. It's a virtual reality. It's there, it has a purpose, it has a meaning, it has a function, but it all emerged from nothing and it's all going back to nothing. And so your ability to detach and not identify just... just gets kicked up to a whole different level. And this is why in Buddhism, they will talk about... um, Oh, gosh. Uh, We can't remember the terminology, but they talk about the ultimate nature of reality, the ultimate the ultimate nature of all phenomena is emptiness and that when you comprehend that you can't identify with anything and you can't attach to anything how can you be attached to something when you know that it's true its ultimate nature is nothingness is emptiness so this is this is what we're sharing with you it, by no means is this revolutionary or is it new by any stretch of the imagination. Nothing that we share with you is new in the strictest sense. But we perhaps, because we approached today without any preparation whatsoever, um, and simply we approached it by just putting ourselves into emptiness and allowing what needed to flow to flow. Perhaps, perhaps we can, we were successful in offering something of value without any of the uh, terminology or jargon related to, you know, esotericism or whatever getting in the way, but just practically speaking from an experiential place, and how if you practice meditation, if you get yourself into this space, you feel what that's like, you learn the flavor of emptiness, and you learn to settle into there and be comfortable in that silence, and you can bring with you that silence everywhere you go, well now, dear brothers and sisters, that source the zero point of zero points will be with you everywhere you go. And no matter the circumstances, no matter what you face, if you can learn to ground yourself in that emptiness and cultivate the consciousness required to harvest the silence by receiving from it that which you need to hear in that moment, then no matter what you face in life, the answers will be there for you. No matter what you need to do, the the, the answers will come to you. But they will only come if you do this work. They will only come if you learn how to get over your mind's addiction to background noise, to always doing something, to always busying itself with something. You have to become comfortable with this space. You have to be comfortable with the emptiness inside. And that that is your true nature. It's like look said, right? You, you, like the, there is no you. There's only the At the I am that is we, the I am that I am, the am that is we. And no matter how funny people look at us for calling ourselves we, we we say we. I only say I when I'm specifically referring to me, the mortal vessel, the mortal self, and me, the ego. In every other circumstance, We speak of we, because that is our experience. That is how we know ourselves. We're not being clever. We're not being, uh, uh, you know, we're being factual. We're being, we're speaking, oh, I hesitate to say this. We're speaking our truth. (laughs) Yes, well, there you go. We're speaking the truth. We're speaking the truth. It's really everyone's truth. But only... If they step out of the mechanicity and step out of the separation and step, step out of the duality and out of the identification and out of the constant busyness and noisiness and cacophony, step out of all the somethingness and return to the nothingness, the emptiness, the silence. And that is just like two weeks ago when we said, remember when we said what the beginning of meditation was and how most people never even start meditating? Because what most people think is meditation is only preparation for meditation. And that what meditation actually is, is begins, meditation begins, where most people think meditation ends. Most people think meditation ends when you quiet the mind. And they sit for five minutes with their quiet mind and then, okay, I can't do this anymore. I've done this for 20 minutes. I've done this for half an hour or I've done this for an hour. Okay, there's my mind. is finally quiet. Oh, okay. This is what I was looking for. Okay. This is what I wanted to do. Okay. Okay. Oh, okay. We're done. And that's where meditation begins. And this is where our journey begins to to get into that space, to get into that emptiness and recognize and comprehend and experience ourselves as one with that emptiness then again what what it, what wants to what longs to unfold from that emptiness through us through the somethingness called this mortal vessel this mortal being this servant Because nothing can't accomplish something without an intercessor being. That intercessor being is the Divine Mother, Divine Mother Nature. That's why we remember our Divine Mother. Because without her, we can't do anything. This body belongs to her all the circumstances of our life our upbringing everything that shaped us and molded us into who we are in this moment was all her work all her doing all her orchestration so we are a part of that divine feminine force and what is what is longing to be born into somethingness through us comes from the emptiness, comes from the nothingness. But we can't accomplish that by just focusing on the somethingness. We have to dedicate and devote ourselves to the nothingness, to the emptiness. And that's why patience is a virtue. And if all you're given is silence, run with it. We walk our talk. We don't say one thing and do another thing. Here we were, here we are. We had nothing to go on yesterday. We had no, all we had was static, emptiness, silence. So you know what? That must be the topic what else could the topic be we weren't being given it i wasn't i wasn't receiving any uh, anything else we were we were getting nothing but emptiness we sat there in front of the computer looking at a blank screen and we're like we're waiting we're waiting we're waiting we're... okay well you know what this must be this must be the topic what else could it be and it's such an important topic and there's people in your life perhaps your perhaps you yourself but you know people we know people there are people very close to us who are struggling with what they should be doing with their life and we and we haven't had the opportunity to express to them in the way that we expressed it here for you today in this way, because you'll know people like this as well who are struggling with what they're supposed to be doing with their life, and they're looking for answers on what to do. What do I? What? What should I be doing? What should I be doing? They're looking for the answer amidst all the somethings. I have to do something. I have to figure out what to do. What do I do? How do I do it? And they go around and they they you know, spend time on the internet and they spend time listening to experts or maybe they take courses or who knows. But they're looking for something to do because that's the way the ego and the rational mind goes about these things. Because it could, remember, the rational mind hates the silence and it hates the emptiness. It's antithetical to its existence. So it'll do everything in its power to keep you out of the emptiness and to keep you away from the silence remember the radio in the background the tv in the background the background music it's it's the the mind always wants white noise it always some people can't sleep without white noise they feel uncomfortable they don't feel safe if there's no white noise on in the background they can't even go to sleep without it it's like it's like a child uh, in in their crib that needs to have the uh, the mobile and the uh, and the music going, right? Because it needs constant stimulation, and that lullaby and that mobile hypnotizes it, uh, and then it's, it's it's uh it's rational mind is happy because there's lots of activity, and it feels comfortable with all that activity, so finally it can it can relax and go to sleep. So, if you're wondering what to do, if you have a problem that you need to solve, doesn't matter what its nature is, there are answers in the emptiness, in the silence, in the invisible, but you can only extract them with consciousness and patience you can't work it out because the somethingness, the mechanicity and somethingness of your mind cannot penetrate the nothingness. That's not how that works. We relax the mind, we let the mind settle down. And we've used this analogy a million times, but it's when, it's when the winds die down, the winds of the mind the uh, die down, and the surface of the lake, of the mountain lake, is no longer disturbed, becomes perfectly calm, perfectly still, it becomes like a mirror. And that mirror can reflect the heavens above. So it is in that stillness, it is in that emptiness, that the mind becomes like a mirror. And then, out of the great vastness and the great nothingness of the heavens, forms can appear, songs can emerge, words can begin to echo in the silence, and they will have their reflection on that perfect mirror of the mind and then we will have the ability once we will have the ability to transcribe and transpose that into whatever form whatever medium that we work with we work with the computer we work with words and we work with videos and we work with you know that's that's our way but some people are designers graphic designers some people are illustrators some people are animators some people are musicians and photographers, and on and on and on and on and on it goes. Potters, sculptors, jewelry makers, and it goes on and on. But it's this ability to become comfortable and become familiar with that emptiness, that empty space, and recognize, and, ha- and the patience to work with that space, and the diligence and the determination to, to develop the consciousness and fill that void, fill that space with whatever free consciousness we have to work with. And then, of course, to expand consciousness and free up more consciousness, you know that's the alm of life, that's observing ourselves, meditating on our egos, eliminating egos, and that's all that other work that feeds into this process. But in terms of what the emptiness is, why it is, and what it is for, just relates back to your place in God's creation. What is your purpose for being? There is only one way for you to know that, and that is to receive it, that is to hear the voice of God tell you what it is, to receive a sign from God that shows you what it is. But that that reception, that's not a booming voice that you're going to hear in the stadium loudspeaker. Right? It's going to be, even if you hear it from somebody else, you will only know that it's God speaking through that other person if you've gone through this process, if you've spent time in the silence. So, again, relating directly back to meditation uh, last week, but also just sitting, just being, just being in silence, going out into nature and just observing and being present and, and remembering not only your Divine Mother, but comprehending and contemplating that zero point Of zero points, that emptiness, that silence. So every time that you meditate, you get to that place of calm abiding, shunyata, right? That peace and everything else. Really savor it. Spend time there. Savor it. Immerse yourself in it. Know that feeling. Cultivate that. And Cultivate it throughout your day as you're practicing your self-observation. We guarantee you, this is what will pay you dividends in your life in a practical way. If you learn how to cultivate consciousness in silence, you will, by, by virtue of the fact that you have done that, you will begin to harvest the fruits of your labors. You will begin to receive insight. You will receive inspiration. You will receive foresight. You will, you will develop clairvoyance of some capacity, whatever is, is, is appropriate to your purpose for being and your karma and your makeup and so on and so forth. Your Divine Mother will, will decide that for you, not, not us. But this will pay dividends for you in terms of your path, in terms of your life, in terms of your journey. And the irony is that it's all within the emptiness. It's all within the silence. And this is why we call it the illuminating void. And this is why there are so many different faces of God and so many forms of of Gnosis, so many religious forms that are expressing the same fundamental universal truths. Because the fundamental universal truths are formless. They're timeless. God is faceless. Every face is God's face, to one degree or another. That which you do unto the least of my brothers, you do unto me, Christ said. Christ said spoke these words. Any questions? You will forgive us if uh, we don't go three hours or four hours today, but after all, the topic is nothing. (laughs) We've spoken for two and a quarter hours on nothing, so uh, you'll have to... uh, You'll have to um, uh, abide by that, I guess. (laughs) But any questions anyone has, by all means, please. Or uh, anybody want to comment or share something. Benjamin says, this is why I feel life is empty. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place from which the streams come, there again they flow. All things are wearisome, more than one can describe. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear content with hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Well said. Um, on this point, there is a uh, a movie called The Last Samurai with uh, Tom Cruise, and um, uh, the samurai's name is uh, Kat- Katsagura, I think Katsagura. And um, there's a scene where he's looking for the perfect cherry blossom. And it's not until the end of the movie, and he says to he says to uh, to Tom Cruise, he says, "You can spend your entire life looking for the perfect cherry blossom and never find it." He says, "I haven't found it yet." And then, at the end of the film, he he there's a moment, and he looks up, and he he discovers and he realizes the answer to his riddle. and if you haven't seen the film you don't want to ruin it for you but um let's put it this way cherry blossom trees are still blossoming and no two flowers are the same looks custo says for those who are interested in some more descriptions, short but packed with wisdom, were unclear. Um we see the the, a little finger pointing up. So does that mean your description earlier of uh of entering the uh the silence, the emptiness? Asazzo says as he's pointing to you on on the screen for those who are interested in some more descriptions short but packed with wisdom um, no I think I think instead he's pointing to his own descriptions of uh, not being a person and so on I don't know I don't know. Um, Aha, I posted a link to Samael's chapter in a book. Okay, where is this link? We're trying to find this link. We cannot find this link anywhere. So did you put it in the private chat? No. Anyway, um, you might need to try reposting that link because it didn't show up in the chat anywhere. And had you posted it, we would have put it on the screen. <clears throat> Anyway, um, so looks, if you want, you can try reposting that link or post it in the, maybe in the private chat and we can, we can post it. But um, at the moment, it's not anywhere. We can't see it anywhere. So anyone else have any uh, questions or comments though, while we, while he tries to uh, work that out? We're going to do our best to uh, stay on track, but, uh, oh, Luke said he sent it to us on Messenger. So let's see what we can see here. Uh... All right, let's see what we can see. course, now Facebook is taking its sweet time. Okay. Let's see if we can paste. There's the link that uh, that looks wanted to share with everyone. And uh, here is it. Here, it is right here. It's. um, The chapter is called The Experience of Reality, and it is from the book Fundamentals of Gnostic Education. We read this book so long ago that. uh, But now that you post this, we seem to recall that, yes, indeed, there's 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 some good, there's some good stuff in here. So again, the link is on the screen. But if you don't have the link, it's very easy to find you go to Glorianne, you go to books. And uh, you go you scroll down to fundamentals of a Gnostic education, which is this one right here. And then You go to the chapters, and there is a chapter on the experience of reality. And there you go. So thanks for sharing that looks. Anyone have anything else to share or uh, any other questions or comments? Anything at all? Cthulhu Vibes are always just beautiful. Benjamin Ochoa says Cthulhu vibes are just beautiful. Now wait a minute. Isn't Cthulhu we don't know enough about Cthulhu. We only know uh, about Cthulhu. uh, Who was it? That science fiction writer wrote about Cthulhu and that he's a one of the lesser gods and he wants to destroy the world or something like that. Anyway, uh, clearly we don't know enough about Cthulhu. Cthulhu represents Leviathan. Yeah, well, yeah, because he's the tentacle. Yeah, H.P. Lovecraft. That's right. (laughs) you see we're so terrible with names (laughs) that's why we couldn't be a professor we couldn't be anything like that we couldn't because we can never reference anybody else because we can never remember their names a genius in his own right uh, Azazel says well you'll have to tell us all about it sometime by the way how goes your uh, Diablo 4 uh, experience we still haven't played we haven't bought the game we refuse to we're uh we're done with video games pretty sure that we're done with video games um but that's another story that's uh not important so And as Azul says, he's taking a break from it. He experienced what he had to. So you finish the story. We take it with uh, about Lilith. So that was. Um, we still haven't watched the Lilith cutscenes from the game. People have done it. It's on YouTube. That's that's actually might be what we what we do tonight because we haven't watched. We still don't know the story. Um, we've just have been so busy. And actually, once we're done here. We'll probably have to go back to the hospital and look in our, on our father and see how he's doing. Uh, he's got pneumonia in his lungs. So, um, well, look, it's dicey. It's sketchy. Um, Benjamin says, I don't know enough, but it does have to do with a primordial being. Uh, yes, uh, Cthulhu, right. And Azazo says, it was the most profound experience as of yet. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. So. All right, then. Any other comments or questions? Uh, it's going to be a relatively short one today. Uh, again, you'll you'll excuse us for the short live stream today, not three or four hours, because, again, we're talking about nothing. We're literally talking about nothing. So, um we, we hope that, uh, you got lots out of it and that you'll spend lots of time in the gap, lots of time in the, uh, in the emptiness and in the silence and that we know that the more time you spend there, the more you will get out of it. mugaboo says, thank you, Atlas. Always very insightful. You're welcome, mugaboo Thank you for being here as always. All right, then, um. Azazel says, "Hit." He says, "I have nothing." Have a good night. <laughs> yes. When you when you switch from I have nothing to I am nothing, then we'll talk. <laughs> Benjamin says, "Thank you for this very insightful lecture. Learned a lot about being silent, and may your father recover soon." Uh, we thank you, Benjamin. Um, if if that's in the cards, if it's his destiny to recover, then we're sure that he will recover. Soon. If not, it's possible that it's not, but it's, it's too soon to tell. We'll, 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 we'll know soon enough. We'll know soon enough. Luke says, thank you, brother. Jennifer says, thank you. Thank you all for being here as always. And, um, as always, wait. we will we'll say, where is it? Inverential peace. Well, hopefully again, we'll try to keep things on the level, we, we'll do our best to have another live stream next week. If our father makes a turn for the worse uh, and something happens, obviously, we will let you know, as always, on Facebook and on YouTube, we will let you know if, if the live stream has to be cancelled. Um, right now, it, it could even be 50-50. So we, we really don't know. But... But again, we will let you know. We will let you know. Um, so, thank you all. As uh, uh, Azul says, let me know what you think of the story if you watch it. We will. We will do so. In fact, if we're moved enough by it, we might even we might even uh, do a live stream on it, or at least we'll devote part of the live stream to it, or we'll do it in the broader context of the Kali Yuga and the Divine Mother and everything else that's going on in the world, because. Our feeling is, if it's as powerful and as meaningful as uh, you felt it to be, then it'll probably have an impact on us and, and it'll find its way onto one of our live streams. So, but for sure, for sure, we'll let you know. All right, then again, everyone, thank you, Inverential Peace, and we'll see you again soon. Take care. Have a great week.